0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and good evening. Welcome to the show When you remember some of the great radio shows that graced the airwaves in the 40s and 50s It's pretty hard to beat our Ms. Brooks. The characters were so well-defined. They didn't seem like characters at all, did they? Eve Arden, as a sardonic high school teacher at Madison High, her sparring with Gail Gordon as Principal Conklin was something to behold. And Gail Gordon was the master of the slow burn. As an aside, I had the pleasure of meeting him backstage at Stage West in Mississauga a few years ago. I was in the then production, a current production, and it was the custom that the new show coming in would be invited to the last performance of the show that was currently on the bill. Well, he was such a lovely man, very quiet, and he graciously introduced me to his wife before heading off to tour the dressing rooms that they soon would inherit. In any case, let's hear a 1951 episode as Connie continues to have problems of the heart where Mr. Boynton is concerned.
2: For your entertainment and pleasure, here is Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden.
3: It's time once again for another comedy
2: episode of Our Miss Brooks under the direction of Al Lewis.
3: Well, the flames of anger that scorch the soul of a spurned woman just don't seem to flicker so violently in the male animal. As a Cracker Barrel poet once put it, quote, Men don't see red like jilted ladies Until they drop dead and visit
4: Hades (laughs) Our Miss
3: Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School Expresses the same thought, but on a much higher literary plane
5: Quote, nothing to me is so disappointing As to get stood up by Mr. Boynton (laughs) (laughs) Unquote, new paragraph Last Wednesday night, Mr. Boynton called off a date we had but the next day, he made me forget all about it by calling off the date we had for Thursday night. And Friday morning, my landlady greeted me at the breakfast table with another pleasant surprise. I thought you might be sick
6: of scrambled eggs, Connie, so I fixed you something different for breakfast today. Ah, oh,
5: what is it, Mrs. Davis? Chicken chow mein. <laughs> chow mein instead of scrambled eggs?
6: Oh, don't let that bother you, Connie. We can have the scrambled eggs for dinner.
4: <laughs> now, drink
6: your fruit juice cocktail, dear. I mixed it for you myself. What's in it, I'm afraid?
4: <laughs> just the usual
6: healthy combination. Orange juice, a bottle of real lemon juice, some grapefruit juice, and just a smidgen of yogurt. <laughs>
5: I'll have just a smidgen of bicarbonate. <laughs> Toast and coffee'll be plenty for me this morning, Mrs. Davis. Well, I guess I could save your Charmaine until dinner time. Oh, thanks, but I won't be home this evening. You see, when Mr. Boynton canceled our date last night, he promised he'd make it up to me tonight. He said we'd have dinner out.
6: Oh, that's nice. Where is he taking you, dear?
5: Harrigan's Hamburger Heaven. <laughs> Funny, that's just a little open-air stand in the park. Well, that's one thing about Mr. Boynton. When he says we're eating out, eat out.
4: <laughs> Honestly,
6: if he weren't such a handsome devil, I... Oh, that reminds <laughs> me. Before you came in, I was reading an item in the school paper that might interest you. In the monitor? What is it, Mrs. Davis? Well, i got it right here. It's in Walter
5: Denton's new gossip column. Here, read it. Let's see. Campus Dirt Shoveled by Walter Denton. (laughs) My first exclusive. What female English teacher is that way about what certain handsome biology teacher? Your reporter has purposely omitted any name so as to cause no embarrassment to either Mr. Boynton or Miss Brooks. (laughs) Well, I should have expected this invasion of privacy. Ever since Walter took over that gossip column, he's had his ear to more keyholes than a house detective. If you think that's bad, read the next item. It says, my second exclusive. What other lady English teacher is also that way about the same biology instructor? Incidentally, her birthday falls on March 16th, and some of her intimate friends are giving this anonymous lady teacher a birthday party. Many happy returns to you, Miss Daisy Enright.
4: (laughs) Miss Enright's
5: having a birthday, hmm? On March 16th. Why, that's tonight, Connie. Oh, so it is. I wish I'd known that when we were in the cafeteria yesterday. I could have given her something.
6: Like what, Connie?
5: Oh, I don't know. Maybe I could have slipped something into her coffee.
6: (laughs) You shouldn't feel such animosity toward Miss Enright, Connie. She speaks very highly of you. Why, she paid you a lovely compliment when I met her in the grocer's the other day. What did she say? She said you have the most interesting figure of any woman she knows. Miss Enright said that? Absolutely. Then she said that you always look like you're wearing a girdle, even when you are.
4: <laughs> well, now I know
5: I'll have to get her a birthday present. The trouble is I'm torn between two gifts. What are they, Connie? Connie? I don't know whether to buy her a pound of liver or a nice tender canary. (laughs) Oh, incidentally,
6: Connie, before I blend it with the topsoil in the backyard, are you sure you
5: don't want to taste this chow mein? I've never been so dead certain of anything in my life. Besides, I've got to rush down to school. I'd like to get there early so Mr. Boynton and I can discuss the plans for our super special date tonight. What's so special about tonight, Connie? Well, tomorrow's Saturday, Mrs. Davis, and there's no school, so we don't have to get up early in the morning. Consequently, Friday is the one night Mr. Boynton really lets his hair down. He pulls out all the stops and doesn't give a hoot about getting home to sleep until 10
4: p.m. <laughs>
7: Good morning, Miss Brooks.
5: Why, Mr. Boynton, what a surprise to see you here.
7: Surprise? This is my biology lab, Miss Brooks.
5: Well, what do you know about that? And I thought I was stepping into a phone booth. <laughs> well, anyway, now that I'm here, what's new?
7: Well, I had a very interesting chat a few minutes ago with Miss Enright.
5: I'll rephrase the question: What's old besides Miss Enright? <laughs>
7: It's her birthday, and we were reminiscing about the party she threw on her last birthday. I was her escort on that occasion, if you recall.
4: Vividly.
5: That was the night I went to see a reissue of This Gun for Hire. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh,
7: it certainly was a great party. We had an eight-course dinner, and then everybody got noisemakers and favors. And Well, along about nine o'clock, I got to feeling real gay. I, I remember I put one of the lampshades on my head and made believe it was a woman's hat.
4: <laughs> Sounds like
5: a real wing ding Now, uh, but let's turn to a more pleasant subject, Mr. Boynton About our date for tonight oh,
7: oh, Miss Enright reminded me about something else this morning, Miss Brooks It's very funny how it happened <laughs> I just know you'll scream when you hear it What is it? Well... When I was at Miss Enright's party last year, she had so much fun, she asked me to promise I'd escort her again next year, but it completely skipped my mind until she reminded me of it this morning, and that's why I can't take you out tonight. Ah! (laughs) See, I told you. Now, if you'll excuse me, Miss Brooks, I've got to go into the back room for a minute. I've given my frogs and guinea pigs some breakfast Not uh, so
5: fast, Mr. Boynton. There's something we've got to discuss.
7: Oh, but the frogs and guinea pigs must be finished by now. I've got to clean up their dishes.
5: Well, let the frogs wash and the pigs dry.
7: <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Brooks, but I've got to get things straightened out before my first class. If you want to wait for me, I'll be back in a few
5: minutes. Don't worry, I'll be here. You'll recognize me by my white lips. Now, make it snappy.
8: Very well, Mr
5: fine kettle of frogs this is. Only unmitigated nerve. I...
8: I love life
5: and I want to live. Oh, it's you. Well, good morning, Miss Enright.
8: Why, Miss Brooks, I'm glad you spoke up, darling. I was about to hang my coat on you. <laughs>
5: Go right ahead, dear. Then I'll hang one
1: on you.
4: Uh, there'll be a short
5: wait for Mr. Boynton. He's been feeding the livestock. Oh, I'm so
8: sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your breakfast. But then I shouldn't tease you on this of all days. You know, congratulations are in order. I'm 24 years old today.
4: 24?
8: (laughs) Well, I can't blame you for being a trifle more bitter than you are normally. After all, Mr. Boynton did have to break a date with you so he could escort me to the party tonight. But remember, darling, this is a special occasion. After all, I don't have a
5: birthday every day. Oh, I know. You just look that way.
4: (laughs)
8: You're such a doll. (laughs) Well, what I had to say to Mr. Boynton can wait until later. I've got to get back to my classroom now. Just tell him I'll see him after a bit, Miss Brooks. And give him my love.
5: I'll tell him you'll see him later. (laughs) (laughs) On second thought, I may not wait to tell him anything. If he thinks I'm going to jump at him every time he calls my name... He's got another thing coming. Oh, Miss Brooks. Oh, here I am, Mr. Boynton, right here. What can I do for you? What is it? What can I do? Hmm? Yes? What can I do? (laughs) Uh,
7: Miss Brooks, I can't tell you how miserable I am about having to call off our appointment for tonight.
5: Oh, let's not discuss it, Mr. Boynton. As you always say, we'll make up for it tomorrow night.
7: Well, no, I don't know about that, Miss Brooks. You see... (laughs) Another funny thing happened.
5: I'll bet it's a riot.
7: My mother's visiting some friends in Ferndale. As you know, that's only a hundred miles from here, as the crow flies.
5: Maybe she'll... (laughs) uh, I meant, what has that got to do with tomorrow night?
7: Well, In the letter I got from Mom yesterday, she said she's going to drop over to see me in a couple of days, which probably means tomorrow, although she'll wire me about the exact time. And when she comes to town, I'll have to call off all dates and spend every night with her.
5: Well, I seem to have hit the jackpot this morning. Might as well get to my classroom.
7: Well, goodbye, Miss Brooks.
9: Bye. I heard absolutely nothing, Miss Brooks. Walter Denton, was your ear to that keyhole? Absolutely not Cross my heart and hope to die And I think it's a dirty shame For Mr. Boynton to dust you off for Miss Enright
5: (laughs) Well, now that you know the story of my life You also know that there's nothing
9: I can do about it Well, that's where you're wrong While I was listening, I was thinking And I've got a plan that's absolutely foolproof All it needs is the cooperation of an old pal of mine Named Mel Norman Mel Norman? Yeah, you remember him He graduated from Madison last year But before he got out, he used to shovel the dirt for the gossip column I've got now. Oh, now
5: I remember. He's the slimy little boy who got the black sheepskin at commencement.
9: (laughs) What's your plan, Walter? Listen, Miss Brooks. First of all, Mel now lives in Ferndale, where Mr. Boynton's mother is visiting friends. Secondly, Mr. B made it clear that he'll call off all dates when his mother gets to town. So? So, all I have to do is make a little phone call to Mel. Tell him to send a wire to Mr. Boynton from Ferndale, signed mother, and saying that she'll arrive in town tonight. Upon of said wire, Mr. Boynton will immediately cancel his date with Miss Enright and sit home to await Mama. Go on. Mr. Boynton will not wait alone, because you'll be sitting there with him. Ostensibly to keep him company until the arrival of the dear little lady who just isn't going to show up. Mm-hmm. In conclusion, all I ask is that you give me one measly buck To cover the cost of the phone and telegram from Mel Well, Miss Brooks, what do you think of the scheme? Walter Denzen, that
5: is without a doubt The sneakiest, foulest, and most deplorable scheme I ever heard of Here's the buck <laughs> before first class, Walter Denton slithered into a phone booth, called his henchman in Ferndale, and got him to send the wire, telling Mr. Boynton his mother would arrive that evening. By noon, I was anxious to find out if Mr. Boynton had received the wire, so I headed for the cafeteria at a rather rapid rate. As I jogged past the principal's office, however, Mr. Conklin opened the door, and in the warm and friendly voice he reserves for his favorites on the faculty, he addressed me. just on my way you to the... You ca- don't
2: have to tell me, Miss Brooks. Every day as I sit in my office during the noon hour, some secret sense tells me the exact moment that you are passing by on your way to see Mr. Boynton. I
5: don't understand.
2: Well, it's relatively simple. First there comes the sound of a violent rush of air. After that, my windows rattle. The shades fly up. My desk quivers. And I topple off my swivel chair. Dad, how I wish we could use you on our track team.
4: <laughs>
2: but permit me to explain my reason for flagging you down. A telegram came to my office a few moments ago, and I thought you might enjoy delivering it. It's for, for Mr. Disappoint- Boynton.
4: Yes.
5: I'll oh, just hand it over, sir. I'll deliver it immediately. Don't worry about a thing. I'll get it to Mr. Boynton in no time at all. Just leave the whole thing to me, and I'll get it
4: down, right girl, down. <laughs>
5: May I have it now, Miss Conklin?
2: Here you are, Miss Brooks.
5: Thank you, I'll just... Now, that's funny. The back flap of the envelope seems to be quite wrinkled and damp, as if it had been steamed open.
2: Steamed open? Well, um, it must have been lying too close to the radiator.
5: Yes, sir. Can I get you a better bandage for that hand, Mr. Conklin?
2: (laughs) I closed the door on it at home. Miss Brooks, I resent your inference that I would open anyone else's message. A man of my integrity does not pry into the affairs of others.
5: Naturally not, sir. What did it say?
2: It says I'm arriving tonight. It's uh, how
4: do I know what? I'm <laughs> now take
2: that thing to Mister Boyner and Miss Brooks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be tied up in my office for a while, so please stop at the steam table and get me a hot turkey sandwich and bring it back immediately.
5: Immediately, sir. And Mr. Conklin? Yes? Won't it be nice to have Mr. Boynton's mother in town for a while? Go ahead and open your telegram, Mr. Boynton.
7: Thanks. I don't get many telegrams. I wonder who... Miss Brooks, guess who this is from?
5: Well, if it's from your mother, it's certainly news to me.
7: It is from my mother, Miss Brooks. and listen to this. I am arriving tonight at Union Station. Not necessary you pick me up, just... Oh, that's strange. These words seem sort of blurred and damp.
5: It was delivered by a very hot-handed messenger boy. <laughs> the rest of the sentence probably reads, Just wait for me at home.
7: Well, let's see. Yes, that's what it says. How did you know, Miss Brooks?
5: what more logical place could one wait for one's mother but in one's own apartment?
7: My goodness, this means I'll have to break my date with Miss Enright. Gosh, in view of my... (laughs) In view of my promise, it isn't going to be easy for me to tell her she'll have to go to her party without me. I'm sure you appreciate the spot I'm in, Miss Brooks.
5: Appreciate it? I'm crazy about it. (laughs) I mean, it's positively sickening. (laughs) I haven't felt so miserable since I got a $40 tax rebate from the government.
0: You shouldn't
4: make
7: light of the situation, Miss Brooks. After all, it is Miss Enright's birthday. She might not be able to comprehend my apparent desertion at a time like this.
5: Believe me, Mr. Boynton, it won't be a new experience for her. Miss Enright has been deserted by more men than a leaky battleship. (laughs) Now, just think of your mother and cheer up. You'll be overjoyed to see her tonight, I'm sure, and so will I. You? Naturally. If I weren't on hand to welcome your dear mother, I'd never forgive myself.
7: Oh, I had no idea you were so fond of Mom, Miss
5: Brooks. Fond of her? Mr. Boynton, I wouldn't know what to do without her.
4: Especially tonight. (laughs) Remember
5: her last visit. Remember how she loved playing checkers with me. I'll be over about seven, and we'll wait for her together.
7: Well, the wire doesn't say what time she'll arrive. We may have quite a long wait.
5: I'm a rugged sort, Mr. Boynton. I'll stick it out with you if it takes all month.
7: All right, that is a nice gesture on your part to keep me company, Miss Brooks. You know, when you come right down to it, you're a pretty good
5: scout. Thanks. I'll bring my Bowie knife. Maybe we can whittle some notches on your sofa. Well, now that everything's settled, I've, I've got to get Mr. Conklin a sandwich. Uh, See you tonight, Mr. Boynton.
7: All right, Miss Brooks. I've been wanting to show you my new apartment. I think you'll like it.
5: Oh, I'm sure we will. Goodbye, Mr. Boynton. It's apartment 208,
7: Miss Brooks, on the second floor.
5: I'll find it. Just leave Miss Enright burning in the window for me.
4: (laughs) Hi, Miss Brooks.
5: Oh, hello, Harriet. I was just about to get a sandwich for your dad. Oh, yes, he told me. I just left his
8: office. Incidentally, Miss Brooks, as I was walking down the hall, I bumped into Miss Enright.
5: It's hard not to. (laughs) What
8: did the Elsa Maxwell of Madison have to say? Well, she told me that Mr. Boynton is taking her to a birthday party tonight.
5: I had no idea she was so young. She says she's only 24 years old. Why, I doubt her. No matter how old she says she is now, in a few minutes she'll be eligible for Social Security. (laughs) I'd explain that, Harriet, but I'd better pick up your dad's lunch.
8: Okay, Miss Brooks. I've got an errand to do myself. See you later, Miss Sork. Goodbye, Harriet. Oh, there you are. I have a message for you, Mr. Boynton. Oh, what is it, Harriet? Daddy stepped out of his office a little while ago, and while I was minding it, a long-distance call came from Ferndale for you.
7: From Ferndale?
8: Yes, it was your mother. She said to be sure and tell you she's arriving in town tonight.
7: But I just received a wire saying... (laughs) That's Mom for you. I guess she wanted to make doubly certain I'd stay home tonight.
4: (laughs)
5: My, what a lovely apartment this is, Mr. Boynton.
7: I'm glad you like it, Miss Brooks.
5: Those French doors next to the fireplace, where do they lead?
7: The fire escape. It'll be great fun, great for sunbathing. My only regret is that I don't have an extra bedroom. When Mom arrives, I'll have to sleep right here on this couch.
5: Well, don't rehearse now. <laughs> it's a very comfy couch, Mr. Boynton. It's rather wide. Why don't you edge over a bit closer to me?
7: Please, Miss Brooks, we're already sitting so close together, I I could almost reach over and touch you.
5: Don't knock it till you've tried it. We really should have a gay time tonight, Mr. Barton. See what's on the coffee table? I've made some punch. Just enough for the two of us.
7: For the two of us?
5: Yes, a gallon and a half. (laughs) A
7: a gallon and a half?
5: When you want more, just holler. (laughs) I think you'll like it, Mr. Boynton. There's nothing in it but fresh fruit juices.
7: (laughs) Well, in that case, I will have a snort. (laughs) Say, you've put a lot of fruit in the bowl, too, haven't you? Peaches, pears... Boy, this ought to hit the right spot. I need something to cool me off.
5: Yes, sir. You're just a ball of fire tonight, (laughs) Swifty. Go ahead, Mr. Boynton. Drink up.
7: Here goes. (coughs) (coughs) Well, what what did you put in this punch besides fruit, Miss Brooks?
5: I cannot tell a lie. I spiked it with a smidgen of yogurt. (laughs) I hope it isn't too much for you, Mr.
8: Uh, Boynton. Come in. Me, Mr. Boynton. Well, Miss Enright. Good evening, Miss Enright. Well, I knew you were expecting your mother, Mr. Boynton, but you didn't say anything about your grandmother coming. <laughs> you. Oh, it's you,
5: Miss Brooks. Yes, it is, Miss Enright. And now that you're here, why don't you let me hang your coat and you in the closet?
8: <laughs> well, I can't
5: stay but a moment. Goodbye. <laughs>
7: Miss Brooks, I told Miss Enright how you volunteered to sit with me until Mom showed up.
8: Yes, he certainly did, darling. And only minutes ago, I was struck with such a brilliant thought that I simply had to drop over and pelt you with it. You see, Miss Brooks, Mr. Boynton also told me how famously you and Mrs. Boynton get along. So when she arrives, I thought it would be nice if Mr. Boynton were to join me at my birthday party, leaving you here to cut up old touches.
5: There are some new ones I've got to attend to first.
8: (laughs) Well, of course, if you mind staying with Mr. Boynton's mother.
7: Mind? Miss Brooks loves my mother. And Mom says there's no one she'd rather play checkers with. Right, Miss Brooks?
5: Right as rain, Mr. B. Miss Enright, if, I mean, when his mother arrives, Mr. Boynton will join you at your party. In the meantime, it isn't polite to keep your other guests waiting. You're right at last, darling.
8: Au revoir, mon cher.
7: See you later, Miss Enright.
5: Boynton. Don't hold your breath, dear Miss Enright.
7: Oh, it'll be kind of nice to get out to a party tonight after all. When I think of the laughs you and Mom are going to have... Oh, say, I'd better get out the old checkerboard for you.
5: Don't waste your energy, Mr. Boynton. Oh,
7: it's no trouble. I'll set it right up by the punch bowl. I hope Mom gets here soon. The night
5: is practically over. I know. It's ten minutes past eight. <laughs> look, look, Mr. Boynton... There is a possibility that Miss Enright's party may be over by the time your mother arrives. So I suggest that we kick back the rugs, put on some dance records, and have our own little party.
7: Say, that's not a bad idea, Miss Brooks. Give me another glass of that punch and let's live a little. (laughs) Come in.
8: Fill up my voice. A mother.
5: And Connie Brooks. (laughs) What are you doing with that
4: punch bowl?
5: Just pushing the fruit aside before I dive in.
3: And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks.
5: Well, Mrs. Boynton was so eager to renew her feud with her old checker pigeon that she literally swept her son out of his apartment and off to the birthday party. That left Mama, a checkboard, and me. Let's see now. After I jump your king. Oh, one minute, Mrs. Boynton. I hope you'll forgive my curiosity, but as I recall, you weren't planning on coming to town until tomorrow. I've been wondering what prompted you to change your mind.
8: Well, now, I'll tell you. It was power of suggestion. Power of suggestion? Exactly, Miss Brooks. I had lunch today at the Ferndale Cafe with a lady who works for the telegraph company there, and she told me that a wire had been sent from her office addressed to a Mr. Boynton. Go on. Well, I convinced her that she must have been wrong about the name. But the wire was from some boy's mother, and that's when I said to myself, why not visit Philip tonight? So you see, Miss Brooks, If it hadn't been for that wire, I'd still be at Ferndale. Now. (laughs) Good move, is it?
5: We each have a jump coming, Mrs. Boynton. We have? Yes. You're going to jump my king, and I'm going to jump off the fire escape.
1: Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden was produced by Larry Burns and directed by Al Lewis written by Arthur Alsberg with the music of Lud Bluskin Mr. Conklin was played by Gail Gordon this program came to you from the Frankfurt Studios of the American Forces Network Europe and was prepared for rebroadcast over this network by specialist Ed Barron Stay tuned for Richard Diamond, Private Detective, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, and in downtown Toronto. You can catch us at 96.7 FM. And now, Richard Diamond and the Fred Sears case.
10: Here's Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective.
3: Hello there. My name's Diamond, and I'm known along the big street as a guy who manages to keep his nose pretty clean and still make a few bucks while I'm doing it. Oh, sure, it gets a little grimy, but you've got to expect that. I'm a shamus. Private eye. Gumshoe. To the guy who hasn't ever been worried because he tripped over a corpse in his breakfast nook, I'm known as a private detective. And to some guys, I'm known by a lot of other names. Not the kind you would find in a book on manners and social usages. But there are times when you might turn up on your desk calendar under the heading of what I must do today. Who hires me? How do I make a living? Well, maybe this will give you an idea.
4: Fred,
11: why don't you eat your toast? It's getting cold.
3: Why don't you stop worrying about the temperature of my breakfast? I'm trying to read the paper.
11: Did anyone ever tell you how charming it is to have breakfast with you every morning?
3: Yeah. My ulcers.
11: I'd like to go shopping today. Will you leave me some money? Fred, did you hear me?
4: Mary, I'm reading. Well,
11: stop reading and listen to me for a minute. I need some new summer clothes, and I want to go shopping today.
3: Here. Yeah. Here's ten bucks. Buy yourself a bathing suit.
11: Oh, that's very funny. Hmm? I need more than ten dollars. I want five hundred.
3: I have a bathing suit are you going to buy, Mink.
11: I'm not going to buy a bathing suit. I need some new clothes. Will you put down that paper and listen to me?
3: Well, I see you made Jimmy Cello's column again, my darling. What? What prominent socialite is fighting with her wealthy husband? and crying on the shoulder of a big-time playboy after the arguments.
11: Is that supposed to be me?
3: Can you remember five minutes in the past five years when we haven't been fighting? Are you
11: accusing me of running around with some
3: playboy? Running around is right. I expect one of you to be the first to do a four-minute mile. How dare you? How dare me? Why, you lushed-up little tramp. Tramp? Yeah, tramp. Everybody in town knows you're seeing Lauren Oliver?
11: All right, so I've been seeing him. We're we're just friends.
3: Well, that kind of friendship is grounds for divorce in this state.
11: Why, you dirty...
3: I'm sick of this whole rotten mess. I'm going to do something about
11: it. You're going to do something about it? Why, you conceited, pompous... <coughs> You're going to do something, are you? Well, you better hurry up because I've got some ideas of my own. Uh,
4: yeah?
11: Lauren. Yeah,
4: you married? i, I got to talk to you. What time 10 is Ten o'clock. we still in the middle of the night. Call me back this later. This can't
11: Wait. Fred found an item about us in Jimmy Cello's column this morning. He stormed out of here like he was gonna kill somebody.
3: Well, you're just the
11: gal who can recognize the symptoms. Well, that's a nasty line. What
3: do you want to tell in the morning, Longfellow? Look, honey, I'll take care of Cello, and if that husband of yours gets out of line, I'll take care of him, too. See what I mean? If things like that didn't happen, I'd be out of business. I'll tell you eight to five that before three o'clock this afternoon, one of those charming people will be walking into my office begging for help. Yeah?
4: Rick?
3: Oh, hello, Helen, baby. Hi.
4: You gonna take me out
3: tonight? Sure, sure. I'll be over later. We'll have a quiet evening.
4: No, no.
11: I want to go dancing tonight. If you don't take me, I'll
3: throw a tap But, baby, I don't have the cash. I'm tapped this week. Well,
11: if you won't let me take, you'll borrow it from Francis. You told me yourself he you
3: Yeah, but he's already black and blue from those three lunches at Lindy's. Besides, he's not only your butler, but he's a darn good businessman. He wants security. Well,
11: I'll give
3: it to him. He's already got my badge. my book on the ten best ways to sneak through transoms, complete with illustrations. And my gun.
4: Haven't you got something else?
3: Yeah, but I'm saving the right eye in case of an emergency. Keyholes, you know. Look, honey, let's go take in a quiet movie and...
11: Is what? I've been hibernating all winter, and I want to get out into some nice, smoke-filled dance floor.
3: Why, Helen.
8: Why, Helen, nothing.
3: Please, Ray. Hold it. Someone's knocking at my chamber door. Come in. Mr. Diamond? Yeah, pull up a chair. I'll be right with you.
4: Who is it?
3: I'm afraid to look. I haven't paid the light bill. This is the detective agency, isn't it? You, sir, have just won yourself a new economy home-sized murder sampler, complete with a matching set of bodies. Me? No. I haven't got time to listen to your bright remarks, Diamond. I want to hire you. What did he say? He doesn't like my bright remarks. You won't even admit they're bright. What else? Oh, something about wanting to... Uh... Something about what? Uh, what was that last statement, sir? It sounded rather cozy. I said I wanted to hire you. What? I'll call you later, baby. Bye. Wait, wait a minute. I... Now, uh, Mr. Uh... Sears... Mr. Sears, what can I do for you? I want you to follow my wife. Will I like the view? She's running around with another man. Well, if they're just running around, don't worry about it. It's when they get tired and slow down that things start to pop. There was a veiled article in Jimmy Cello's column this morning about my wife and this man. Yeah, I know Cello. So do I, but I'm not interested in Cello at the moment. Well, what do you want? Enough on your wife so you can get a divorce? Yes. Oh, well, that that comes kind of high. I don't like cases like this, and I usually turn them down. If you want me to swallow my pride, it'll take a $200 retainer and a hundred a day in expenses. I'll write your check. Oh, just like that, huh? I am quite wealthy. Hmm. That's why I want the divorce, Mr. Diamond. There you are. Yes, sir. There I am. Now, what's the man's name that your wife is uh, seeing? His name is Lorne Oliver. Well, this is turning into a family gathering. You know him? Sure, runs the Monarch Club. That's right. What's your wife's name, and we're going to get a look at her. Mary Sears. You can see her tonight at the store. We'll be there for dinner, 9 o'clock. I'll be there. Oh, uh, incidentally, that uh, comes under the heading of expenses, in case you have a short memory. I have a good memory, Mr. Diamond. You can send me the bill. Oh. Address and phone number? 45 East 65th Street. 45 East 65. Evergreen 41793. 41793. Now I've got to be going. Goodbye, Mr. Diamond. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Sears. Yeah? What
4: would you hang up on me
3: for? Uh, honey, this is because you always give me an argument. You never want to go anywhere. I'm getting tired of shows and hot dogs. I want to go dancing. What? And I don't mean Roseland. I want to go to the stork. I'm a growing boy, and I like to see the bright lights and throw my money around. But,
4: Rick, you... you me... I'll pick
3: you up at 8.30, and this time don't wear slacks.
4: <laughs> You're
3: an idiot. Bye, idiot. Yes, that's the way it goes, just as I told you The word private in front of detective means you're married to all the troubles in the world And that includes everything So if a guy turns up who's unhappy with his wife, you listen to him howl And if he's got enough money, you take the job It's for better or for worse And until Mr. Sears came in, it was decidedly one-sided I'd teach cooking to a bunch of headhunters for a fee like the one he'd given me when I looked at his $200 check, I started getting that big man complex again. So I closed the office and went back to my flat. We'd probably be up late, and Helen always had some extracurricular activities after we'd get back to her place. You know, roasting marshmallows, fast game of canasta, or an exciting round of images on the living room rug. Anyway, I always got home pretty late in the a.m., so I spent the rest of the afternoon taking a nap. At 6 o'clock, I got up and dressed, and at 8.30, I picked up Helen. Wow. And at 9 o'clock, we were sitting at the Stark Club bar, right on schedule.
11: Rick, when are you going to ask for a table?
3: Well, honey, the drinks come past here. But I want to dance. Oh, no, no, no! I mustn't overdo it, lover. <laughs> How do you know? Maybe some mountain climber will ask you on a 20-mile hike tomorrow. Thank you, your feet.
11: I am. I want to move them around that dance floor. Oh, Rick, I know you you do something, you do it all the way.
3: Yeah, let's neck
11: Oh, now you stop that. You're on a job, and you don't want to go in there because you've got to watch somebody.
3: Well, Helen Asher, how are you, darling? Hello, Lauren, how have you been? Oh, couldn't be better. Why don't you ever stop over to my club? I'd like to show you around. She just brought a seeing eye dog. Oh. Hello, Diamond.
11: You two know each other, don't you?
3: Yes. How did we make such a grisly mistake, Oliver? I don't know. I tried taking penicillin for it, but it didn't do much good. Well, it probably helped out in the other things. Why don't you try hanging yourself? Rick. You always did think you were a pretty funny man, didn't you, Diamond? <laughs> it's easy being a comic. You just find an idiot for an audience. How do you like the performance? Stinks. Pardon me, Helen, but I see some people I know. You'll excuse me, won't you, Diamond? Oh, sure, yes. But the next time you drop around, bring Rick. some wake, huh?
11: Rick... Even if you don't like him, you shouldn't say those things. He's liable to start a fight.
3: Oh, uh, he wouldn't take a swing at a midget if he was riding an elephant.
11: I wonder who his friends are. They don't seem to be too glad to see him.
3: Their name's Sears.
11: Is that who you're watching?
3: Yeah, the wife.
11: I don't know whether I approve or not.
3: She's very attractive. Isn't she, though?
11: Rick.
3: This is business, baby. Business. I'm only drooling because I haven't had anything to eat since this morning.
11: Well, then let's get a table. You've seen her. You've observed what she's doing. Now let's get something
3: to eat. Now, uh, wait a minute. Here comes somebody else I know. Where? Standing at the check room. The little man? Yeah, here he comes. Who is he? Name's Cello. Oh. Jimmy Cello. That's a gossip column.
11: I read it
10: all the time.
3: Yeah? Uh, hello, Jimmy. Well, 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 a Broadway soon as
10: the uh, lovely redhead, Diamond?
3: Helen, meet James Cello, but be careful what you say. Jimmy, Helen Asher. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Cello.
10: How do you do? Is this an item, Rick?
3: If I don't get us a table soon, she's going to make me give back her sorority pin. Oh, well,
10: speaking of tables, I see some people I know. Uh, nice meeting you, Miss Asher. Thank you. Goodbye, Diamond.
3: Bye, Jimmy.
8: Rick,
10: he's going over to see us, table. Hello, Walter. Hi, doll. Hi. Well, well, good evening. What do you want, Cello? Oh, I just dropped by to see how the happy little family was getting along. Well, just
3: drop away. Nobody
10: asked you to stop by.
3: Yeah, why don't you do that and take Oliver here with you? Nobody asked him to stop by well, either. keep your voice down. This is my table, and I don't like a lot of crumbs lying uh, all over it. Oh. a crumb. Come on,
10: Lorne. I guess Mr. Sears has forgotten a few things.
3: I haven't forgotten a thing, Chella. When you print one thing in that lying sheet of yours, and I'll have you sued for life.
10: Listen, Sears, if I did print anything, they'd put you away so far they'd
3: have to pipe air into you.
11: Oh, do go on, Mr. Cello. This is getting interesting. you would
3: better get out of here, Cello. No, no, no. Go on, Cello. What have you got on old money bag? He's a lying, dirty gossip monger. He doesn't have uh, a thing. Wait a minute. I don't like that. Why don't you ask your
10: husband about North Africa sometime, Mrs. Sears? Why? You? Just Stop a minute. Stop it. You, all right, now pick yourself up and get out of here, Cello. Yeah, maybe you're right. I've got a column to get out. It'll be all about you, Sears, in big tights. Go on, get out.
3: All about me. You're going to throw me out, too? You can bet your life I am.
10: I'm getting out of here.
3: You stay right where you are. I'll talk that way to Mary. I'll talk any way I like to my wife. Go
11: on, maybe you'd better leave.
3: Here come the waiters. Now I'm going to push this fat slob's face in. Yeah? Yeah. All right, all right. All right, uh, come, on. come on, break it up, break it up, come on Hey, waiter, give me a hand come on, you... Take your hands off me, Diamond Now calm down, Mr. Sears I'll kill that slob Oliver, get... you shut up or I'll pull your pants up over your head And shove you in a glass like a breadstick I don't like people meddling in my affairs, Diamond, you're fight. I'm what? You heard me, now take your filthy hands off me Ah, well, it were Lily White before I palmed that check of yours this morning You can have it back Here, eat it. I'll have you in jail for this, Diamond. Why, it isn't every day you get to eat a $200 check. Oh, Rick,
11: let's get out of here.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I'm sorry, baby, but that's what happens when you go to work for a hyena like Sears. You think he's a nice guy because he laughs so much. But you find out later it's only because he chewed your leg off. We left Sears still spitting out pieces of the check I'd shoved down his throat and headed for Helen's apartment. I was sore. When I get hot under the collar, I don't make for good company. So I dropped her off with a kiss and went back to my flat and climbed in the sack. I smoked a dozen cigarettes before I got to sleep. And When I finally did, it must have been with a big smile on my face. All night, I kept dreaming that Lauren Oliver and Fred Sears were beating themselves to death with hot paper sacks. This is sunshine market. Lock's popovers are especially. Now you stop clowning and get over here right away. Walt? Lieutenant Levinson. Oh, well. Oh. Where are you? I'm in your office. Yeah? Well, if any clients come in, give them a good sales talk. Tell them how many people you've killed or something. There's a guy in your office now. Prospect? Depends on what you're talking about. I think his name is Fritz Sears. Uh, tell him to go home. He canned me last night. I don't
4: think he'll
3: listen. All right, all right. So he's sore. He's got a right to be. Stop acting like an idiot, Walt You know I didn't have anything to do with it I know you didn't, but we find the stiff in your office And we get a report that he fired you last night But you had a fight with him I gotta tell the commissioner something, Rick Tell him Sergeant Otis is teething Now you stop that No, what do you know about the killing? The coroner just left He said that Sears had been dead about eight hours The cleaning woman found him at nine this morning and called us mm, That puts the time of the murder around 1 a.m. We found this, clenched in the dead man's hand What is it? An article torn out of the morning papers. Here, read it. Ah. Jimmy Cholo's column. Read it. All right, I will. Don't yell at me. Ah. Fred Sears, wealthy import-export man, is having troubles. He's finding it hard to explain about his past doings in North Africa, and at the same time, he's finding it just as hard to explain his wife's interest in the local playboy, nightclub owner Lauren Oliver. Ah. He got so mad at the Stark Club... Oh, I was there. I was there. He got so mad at the Stark Club last night that he took a poke at your columnist... And then try to beat up Lauren Oliver. Will this lead to a rematch between Oliver and stairs We're having a whole bunch of them picked up. Walt, Walt, before you do that, give me a couple of hours, will you? Try to dig up your killer. I can't. You know what we've got to do. It's routine. Well, the commissioner's already having fits every time he hears my name. Now, look, Walt, Rick. I got a business to protect. And if he finds out the stiff was killed in my office, he'll probably haul in my license. Yeah. One hour, Rick. That's oh. all I can give you. I got a job, too. Oh, thanks, Walt. I suppose you've got an alibi for one o'clock. Call Helen. We were toasting marshmallows. Well, I had three good suspects. Lorne Oliver, Cello, the columnist, and Mrs. Sears. One of the three was built just right for the electric chair. An hour isn't much time to dig up a killer, so I grabbed a cab and headed for Lorne Oliver's office in the back of his club. Yeah, I come in. How are you, Oliver? Oh, what do you want, Diamond? In particular, about who comes into my club? Oh, I'm surprised you can operate with that kind of policy. People probably see you in here every night. I think I'll have you thrown out. Wherever you at one o'clock this morning. None of your business. Herman? Yeah, boss? Come in here and show a guy out of my office. Oh, we get rough, huh? Yeah. Okay, okay. I'll let you tell the cops who knocked off Fred Sears. Hey, this the guy, boss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you say someone knocked off Fred Sears? That's right, but don't start crying about it. It makes me feel so helpless. I'll tell my story to the cops. they will get a lot tougher than I will. You won't get tough at all, Nick. Oh, stop flexing, Herman. You'll snap your girdle. Well, I guess it doesn't make much difference as long as Sears is dead. I was with his wife from about 12 o'clock to... to... Well, it's a long time after one. Well, where were you all that time? At my place. Now, take a walk, Shamus. You got my alibi. One more question. Did you go out at all? Yeah, I went out and got the light papers. So what? I like to read. Okay, okay. You don't mind if I stop by and see Mrs. Sears, do you? No, go ahead. I'll see you later. Oh, Harmon. Yeah? You can let the air out now. Your muscles are lovely. Well, Oliver had a good story, but checked. So that left me with two more stops. Jello's newspaper office was the closest, so I grabbed another cab, and ten minutes later, I was sitting at his desk.
10: Well, you don't think I had anything to do with it, do you, Diamond? Wherever you had one this morning. I was covering a party at Richard Gray's. I was with friends from about 11 o'clock till after three. You can check. Go on, check.
3: Look, poison pin, Sears had your column from the late edition clenched in his hand. He,
10: he did, huh? Well, you don't think if I was going to kill a man, I'd leave anything like that around? I don't know. Well, obviously, someone is trying to make it look like I did it. Have you talked with Oliver and Sears' wife?
3: Oliver's got an alibi. I'm headed for Mrs. Sears' place right now. You know the address? Yes,
10: yes. 45 East 65th. But Mrs. Sears couldn't kill her husband. I know it too well.
3: No? Well, thanks, Cello. I'll check your alibi. If it stands up, then I'll have to really go to work on Mrs. Sears. Yes? Mrs. Sears? Yes, Oh, you look even better up close. What's on your mind? You mean right this minute?
11: Well, aren't you nice. Don't crowd me, though. I can keep up a pretty good average in this league.
3: I'd say about a thousand. Mm -hmm. May I come in?
11: I think so. If you keep talking, I like to hear nice things.
3: (coughs) Now, you deserve them. But I can think of some nice things to say about a panther.
11: We'll talk about my family some other time. Can I buy you a drink?
3: It's a little early, unless you got some milk. Milk? Where's your husband?
11: Oh, you know about him. Oh, I'm sorry. He's looked as though it might work into quite a friendship. Where is he? I haven't seen him since last night. Why?
3: dear friend of yours? He's been using my office.
11: Oh?
3: Yeah. He died there last night. What? Everybody is so surprised.
11: But uh, how? Who did it?
3: That's what I'm trying to find out, Lover. Where are you at 1 a.m.?
11: That's none of your business.
3: Okay. Let the law drag it out of you. Goodbye, dear. Uh,
11: wait a minute. All right, I'll tell you why. I was with a man named Oliver, Lorne Oliver.
3: Oh, for how long?
11: From about 12 o'clock to, well, much later.
3: That's what Oliver says. Did you go out at all? Just to get the papers. That checks with Oliver's story, too. Did you go out alone? I, uh,
11: uh, no, I, I went with Lorne.
3: He says he went out alone.
11: Oh, well, yes, yes, he did.
3: I thought you said you went out with him.
11: Well, that was later. Lorne was the one that went out to get the papers.
3: Okay, what time is it? About two. When you both went out or when Lauren went out to get the papers by himself?
11: Uh, when Lauren went out.
3: Oh, yes. Now, now, I see. Well, I, I'll, I'll see you later. I'll
11: come back again.
3: Oh, I'll do that after you get over crying for your late husband. I'll keep my emotions down to a minimum. I'll bet you will. I left her standing in the middle of the room looking after me like a vegetarian with an eye on a green salad. I closed the door and started down the hall for the elevators. For some reason I never seem to get where I'm going. Oh. Hmm? <coughs> oh. Hey. Now, while you're still tuned in, Diamond, I'll give us some advice. Stay away from Mrs. Sears. Now I want you to be sure and get the point. <laughs> Rick. Rick, come on, snap out of it. Uh. Oh, go away. Hey, come on, you don't look so good. Uh, it matches the way I feel. Oh, here's a new line. Where am I, Walt? In Mrs. Sears' apartment.
11: Hello, handsome.
3: She heard the scuffle in the hall, came out, found you, and called me. Swell. Who did it? I didn't see him, but his voice sounded like a thug that Lauren Oliver keeps around, a patty cake with.
11: Oh, that was probably Herman. Lauren, is so jealous.
3: Well, your hour is up, and now I'm going to haul them all in, including this Herman. Oh, do you know Herman, Walt? Sure, Herman Sharp. had a record a mile long. What, if a guy wanted to hire a killer, where would he go? You know all the stoolies as well as I do. Yeah. Mrs. Sears, what was the fight about last night at the stork? Oh, a columnist named,
11: named Cello threatened my husband that he was going to print something in his paper. He said something about North Africa, and Fred hit him.
3: North Africa? This is really getting mixed up. Was your husband ever in North Africa?
11: Yes, during the war. He was a captain in the Army.
3: What? Can you get me this Herman Sharp's address? He's the boy I want. Sure, but I'm coming along. Have your boys pick up Cello, Oliver, and take them both down to the station along with Mrs. Sears here.
11: Well, you don't think I had anything to do with it, do you?
3: I've known Jimmy Cello a long time. About five years ago, he used to run around with a little dancer named Mary Carroll.
11: Sure he did. I'm Mary Carroll, but I broke up with him when I met Fred.
3: Yeah. Well, you'll see him at the station. You can pick up where you left off. Come on, Walt. <laughs> We went down fast and climbed into the prowl car. Walt put in a call got Herman's address over the two-way radio. Twenty minutes later, we were standing in front of Herman's door. It was an old apartment house on the lower east side. I started for the door, but Walt had other ideas. Rick, we can't go in there. Why not? Because I haven't got a search warrant. Well, you got to go in if you want to crack this case. Not without a search warrant. So it's warrant for what? To go in. Well, what do you want to go in for? I don't want to go in. You do. Do what? Go in. Well, go ahead. I haven't got a warrant. Well, what are you looking for? Herman Sharp. He's probably in there. He is? Sure. Well, what are we waiting for? Oh, what did I do that for? For that. What? Herman Sharp. Oh. Uh, is he dead? Yeah, been shot. What are you looking at? Newspaper on the floor. This morning's. Oh, show those columns missing, been torn out. Then Herman's your killer. Swell, who killed Herman? Don't you know? I'm going to start that again. Well, go on back to the station. I'm going to check something and make a phone call. I'll be down in half an hour and point out your killer.
4: Come on, don't Now,
3: calm down, calm down, this everybody. This is ridiculous. I want my lawyer. You'll get one later.
10: Relax, Oliver. They can't hold it much
3: longer. How do you feel, man? I don't
11: like this any more than you do. Well, good afternoon.
3: And happy Father's Day. Hello. Rick, where the devil have you been? Made a phone call to Washington, Walt. Mrs. Sears, did you know that your husband had a dishonorable discharge from the Army? I. No. You knew it, didn't you, Cello? That's right, but I
10: kept it quiet. He got it for running a black market.
3: What's this got to do with the death of Sears? Oliver, you told me you went out to get the papers last night. That's right. What time was it? Yes. A little after two. You know what time the late edition comes out. How about you, Mrs. Sears? Uh.
11: What Lorne says is correct. How about
3: it, Lorne? Were you the one to go out and get the papers? Uh, yes. Uh, Then, Mrs. Sears, why did you tell me this afternoon that you also went out to get the papers? Well, I... Mary, don't say anything. You don't have to. The stories don't check, so you couldn't have been together last night. Look, Diamond, what is this Oh, now you look, Oliver. You're both liars. But that doesn't make either one of you the killer. Oh, but Rick, Cello's alibi checks right down the line. Sure it does, because he was at that party. But the killer wasn't. We know that. He couldn't have been. Yeah, but the man who hired the killer to knock off Sears was. What are you talking about, Diamond? Oliver, where was your hired if last night? You mean Herman? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know. He was with me until six o'clock, then he left. Walt, when you find Herman's gun, ballistics will probably say that it was the one that did the job on Sears. Herman? Yeah. Jello, you hired Herman to kill Sears, and then you killed Herman. Well, you're out of your mind. I didn't even know this Herman. We found the newspaper next to Herman's body.
10: It had your column torn out of it. That doesn't pin anything on me. It just shows you that Herman probably stuck
3: that article in Sea's hand after tearing it out of a newspaper. That's you, that's what you wanted to make it look like. You knew Herman. You knew about the clipping, so you killed him and tore the column out of this morning's newspaper.
10: Of course I knew about the clipping. You told me about it this morning in my office. That's right. But
3: you were the only one I told about it. You couldn't convict Jack the Ripper on that kind of evidence. I'm afraid he's right, Rick. <laughs> Hello. What time does the late edition come out? About uh, two o'clock. Walk. What time was Sears killed? Around one. Say. Yeah, yeah. The killer couldn't have gotten hold of that column at one o'clock. The papers weren't even out on the street. Well, then how did he do it? Only one man could have gotten that column before 1 a.m., the man who wrote it. Jimmy. He tore it out of the galley sheets. The proofs that are made up before the paper goes to press. Cello hired Herman, gave him the clippings, and then went to the party. Oh, you're doing great, Diamond. Keep it up. You're still in love with Mary Sears. You were jealous of Oliver, so you hired Oliver's boy Herman, figuring the cops would pin Sears' murder on Oliver. I'm a doing. You're a good liar and a rotten detective. You knew I'd go to see Mary Sears, so you sent Herman to beat me up and make it look like Oliver was behind it. You tried to frame Oliver all along the line. Why, oh, you cheap little scandal snooper, I'll fix it so you do not. Wait, wait, wait a, a minute. minute. All right, break it up. Come on. Break it out.
4: Break it up.
3: Hey, Walt. What is it, Rick? Bye. Good evening, Mr. Diamond. Uh, evening, Francis. Miss Asherin? Yes, sir. She's in the library. She's a little tired from last night. I, I think she's taking a nap. Well, I'll walk on my tippy toes. How about a glass of warm milk, Francis? I'm a little tired, too. Uh, yes, sir. Right away, sir. Well, look at the little baby.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, is not we, man? Poor, tired baby. The evening breeze Caress the trees Tenderly The trembling trees Embrace the breeze Tenderly Hello, baby. Don't stop. All right. Could you really then you and I came wandering by. And lost in a
11: sigh were we. Ricky.
3: The shore was kissed by sea and mist. Ricky. I can't forget how two hearts met breathlessly.
11: Ricky, come here.
4: Your
3: arms opened wide and closed me inside. Ricky, come here. Uh, what is it there? This there. Mm -hmm. Here's
11: your milk, mister. Oh, my goodness. Now, this time I refuse to blush.
3: You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, High Aberback, Joan Banks, Harley Bear, and Sidney Miller. Music was under the direction of David Baskerville. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Now, this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective.
1: Thanks for listening. I hope you're here tomorrow night for Ozzie and Harriet, followed by Lights Out. My thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support and executive producer Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast
0: is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.